0: celebrating the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos. Hoy día is 30 de octubre, mañana is Halloween, and Dia de los Muertos. And uh, we're going to have uh, someone come on and do some explaining to us about the Day of the Dead, what it means to us, what it means to uh, Mexico. And uh, the song you just heard was from Sones de Mexico Ensemble, El Chinesco. I think that's the right pronunciation, but if it's not... Uh, A couple people might uh, correct me. Uh, So coming from Chicago, thank you. We welcome all our sisters, brothers, family, friends, neighbors, and all the citizens of the world to another edition of Live from the Heartland. This edition of Heartland at Home, our Zoom version, it's number 74 for the week of October 30th. And um, it's Halloween. Today, we're welcoming guest Juan Diaz of Zones de Mexico Jane Ramsey of Just Just Ventures on her part in the Harold Washington film and the legacy of Harold Washington. And we're going to visit with Dave Megacy on the West Coast, who is joined by his good buddy, Michael James, to celebrate his 80th birthday. So let's just launch into it. Um, Good things this week for me, we're seeing the Harold Washington film. For those of us who were Engaged in that most magnificent moment of Chicago history. Uh, Remember it with uh, really uh, warm feelings and a tremendous amount of gratitude, really, that we were able to live through that time and be supportive of uh, characters such as Harold Washington. Um, The other thing, the other great thing this week was the time turned in by my nephew. One David Hogan Heineman in his incredible marathon, wherein he clocked a two fifty two. Um, oh my gosh! You are. I am not worthy, David. I am not worthy. So those are the good things for me this week. I, I Michael will probably have uh, many good things, but he's not here to say them. So we'll go on to um, what's happening internationally. Well, so many things. But one of the things we heard about this week was the. Crimes Against Humanity uh, submitted by the Attorney General of Brazil or submitted to the Attorney General of Brazil against their president. Um, Crimes Against Humanity, uh, President Bolsonaro Bolsonaro, um, was accused of committing for his lack of appropriate response to uh, COVID and the ensuing deaths that they are actually holding him responsible for. Um, interesting. So we'll see what happens, we'll have to uh, revisit our uh, journalists um, reporter from Brazil, Brian Muir and see what his take on where that will go is um, closer to home. Um, we have uh, we and next week we'll have uh, Re- representative Robin Gable on to talk about this but there were some landmark moves in the Illinois uh, House uh, and Legislature and this week has been the veto session, and some of these moves um, will will be held on. Uh, will will uh, actually happen. One of them we're hoping does um, is that they passed um, a, a they repealed the parental notification act this week in the veto session. Hopefully that'll stand until uh, the governor can sign it next week. Um, I'm sure there have been misses as well in this legislative session, but there have been definitely some pluses. So we'll talk to Robin about that next week. Uh, Let's see. Closer to home, Rogers Park Nature Center, uh, proposed for Leon Beach Lifeguard Shack right over here at TUI, is now one of the finalists in the Chicago Works Community Challenge, which is a $10 million public infrastructure project um, funded by Chicago Works Capital Plan. And um, you can watch the meeting they just had this week where each of the neighborhoods presented their uh, projects. And then you can also fill out the survey. That's the most important part. If you want it to actually come to us, fill out the survey. And um, if we get enough responses, the Leon Beach Park Nature Center uh, wins one of the spots. And uh, we will we will see a real um, rebirth of activity in that the oldest structure on the lakefront in Chicago is that building that is currently nine months out of the year not gone into. And the other three months it's to store, you know, boats and lifeguard uh, equipment. Um, Unfortunately, as I tell you this, (laughs) there's another problem with lifeguards in Chicago. There's a real big problem. And WBEZ did a really good job of putting together the Chicago lifeguard abuse scandal timeline, which has now gone, it's approaching two years since the first victim made her voice heard. Evidently not loud enough Park District or mayor's office or IG. The number of people in this timeline that WBEZ put together, I recommend you check it out. It's it's online just look for timeline the investigation into alleged abuse of Chicago lifeguards. This is an incredible travesty of justice. There are people walking around out there that should be accused of rape and other sexual assault and they're walking around and some of them are still being paid by you and me. I am outraged at this two years of baloney and we've had a few people quit Again, check out the timeline, but be outraged, Chicagoans. This is not the way our children should be be being treated. This is not the way our young people should act. Some of these abusers have been as young as 16 or 17 years old. There is rape that has occurred, okay? That's a federal, that's a felony, okay? Let's stop pretending it's not. Same week that this is happening, our championship, Blackhawks have now a stain on their accomplishment, thanks to a lack of immediate action on the part of the team management and everyone in responsibility that knew about this character who was uh, assaulting players. It's just unfathomable to me that at this day and age, in this day and age, we still haven't figured out (laughs) that this is something people are going to do unless they are told and, and not to and punished when they do, okay? There has to be um, consequences for this abuse. I mean, here we go, just today, yesterday, Cuomo is now actually being um, charged, I think, with a misdemeanor or is it a felony? I'm not sure, I have nobody to ask. Um, We're sick (laughs) in in doing this, we're sick and we have to get better. Um, And we need people committed to making it better. Um, Okay. So that's, I'm sorry, but waves, rain, and uh, the recalcitrant lodge number seven leader telling police officers to put themselves and citizens at risk. These are the stories that Chicago is looking at this week and God help us, let's get better. Okay. You are listening to Live from the Heartland, WLU 88.7 FM. Stay tuned and enjoy Quierrame Mucho, featuring Ella Jenkins joining Sones de México. We'll be right back with our first guest, Juan Diaz. se se quiero, io a ti te quiero yo a ti Es imposible, mi cielo Tan separados
1: Cuando se quiere de veras Cómo te
2: quiero yo a ti
1: Es imposible mi cielo tan separados vivir and separados.
0: Mucho Sones de Mexico Ensemble with Ella Jenkins. You know what, Juan? I am a little. Uh, my memory isn't what it used to be. But did not Sones de Mexico play at the Heartland Cafe?
1: Oh yes, we did several times.
0: That's what I thought. Yes, that's what I thought. Well, that was that was my business along with Michael James. So. Oh um, yes. That's where this radio show that. came from. How it
1: started. I remember um, I, I've been on your show before as well. Yes,
0: yes. And when you were on before, wasn't Ella with you? Uh,
1: one one of those times, yes. Yeah. Uh, there was one time when we had the whole ensemble performing. Right. Also right. at the Hardline. Uh,
0: the good old days when we actually had a stage that we could um,
1: put
0: our <laughs> guests on. That was uh, really very much fun. And your your band, your ensemble is terrific. Um, Okay, let's start with the season. We are broadcasting on Saturday, October 30th. What does celebration of Day of the Dead as it's marked here in Chicago mean to you, mean to the larger Mexican community in Chicago and beyond?
1: Yeah, well, Mexico uh, celebrates the days, the days of the dead. There's two days. Right. Uh, and uh, this is a tradition that dates uh, back to uh, pre-colonial times. Uh, in Mexico, the there, there's been an observance of of the dead uh, for the community, and uh, it, it syncretized with with the Catholic faith, uh, and the that day was placed on uh, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, right. which are November first and November second, and on that day, well the uh, people re- remember their dead relatives and friends by going to the cemetery and uh, cleaning up their graves, maybe spending the day there in remembrance. Uh, some people build altars with items that will remind them. So it's it's very different than Halloween, where, uh, uh, which is a day of ghosts and, and things that are supposed to scare you. And right. uh, the days of the dead are really it's really about grandma it's about repair recover, uh, remember your parents and uh, those who have passed away and uh, doing nice things for them things that they would have liked in in their in their lives
0: when did the calavera come into play was that right away or was that more a modern mexico edition
1: no I, I think the calavera has been part of it for as long From as the beginning uh, yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know, even I have seen uh, archaeological uh, depictions of skulls, uh, also from from old olden times.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you have a big part to play in this weekend's celebrations. I actually printed out a, a list, which is amazing how many, there's a list of all the various uh, celebrations of Day of the Dead this weekend. And you're part of it, but there's also quite a few. Um, so let's talk about what's going on. Uh, is it Sunday, I think, for you at St. Procopius?
1: Yeah, St. Procopius Church invited us uh, on Sunday at four o'clock to do uh, a concert for, for the day of the day. Yeah, and it'll be free, uh, open to the public. If weather permitting, it will be outside. I suspect that they will move it inside the church if it's not, if it's raining.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that's uh, four o'clock in the afternoon? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, it'll be about an hour long and they may have other groups before. So if you show up early, you may see some other stuff.
0: So in your long uh, history of uh, promoting and maintaining, say the legacy, the heritage of Mexican music, um, how, what do you find that has been the most useful in teaching the, um, variety of people that you run into say in your many years of uh, work at Old Town School where you were probably bringing people along who might look like me and have no yeah. history with the uh, music and culture of Latin America in general. How do oh you- in
1: general well uh, I think uh, some of the biggest uh, uh, hurdles is fighting through stereotypes uh, for, for any reason even for the day of the dead when you see skulls uh you may uh, associate it with halloween when it is not exactly the same thing so it's it's uh, it's about teaching what what the contrasts are between the two um and the same with with generally with mexican music when people may associate mexican music with uh maybe mariachi or or so or some brass music or maybe some music that is not quite mexican maybe some Uh, Tex-Mex music or Southwest music that they uh, or even music from other countries like flamenco uh, or people may not know that that music is from a different country and not Mexico so I think initially it's about breaking through some of those stereotypes and once you're in the door then you begin to see the the large variety of regional styles that exist through Mexico so if you go for you know, if you go to Veracruz, you may find there's a, a variety of styles of music there. Uh, not only son Jarocho, but you have son Huasteco. You have indigenous types of music, uh, totonacas and uh, all, all kinds of music, danzon. Uh, so uh, it's so rich. Uh, and even us that have been at this for 27 years continue to learn uh, new things about Mexican music, about the music we represent. So it's it's a deep deep well.
0: It is a deep well. You're right. I mean everything from traditional through the mariachi, of course, and salsa, which a lot of Chicagoans have come to love because of the dance clubs that teach salsa. Um, but you are also still teaching. And um, what have you? What is the Mexican school of music that you are part of?
1: Yeah, so in uh, in twenty twenty uh, fourth anniversary of our group, we we launched a Mexican music school, where uh, we felt there was a need in the in the community here in Chicago for a school that would teach traditional styles of Mexican music in Spanish, and geared towards youth, uh, many of them who have been born here, but are lacking. Information about their their roots uh, and the culture of their parents and grandparents, and when you sever that that cultural connection, uh, the kids lose a lot. They lose part of their identity. They lose uh, their their family history, their uh, their folklore. Really, uh, that that would help them. Uh, so, where do they gain this information? They get it from other kids in school. They get it from. Uh, uh popular media uh and uh, so so we feel it's it's a it's a community need to to have this cultural instruction uh it's not only in mexican uh community i know that other immigrant groups in the past organization uh notably the the polish community established saturday schools for for uh, you uh, polish youth you know to stay in touch with their Culture and and I really I was modeling this idea after, you know, institutions like the Old Town School of Folk Music, but also in Polish uh, Saturday schools. I know the Italians and uh, Irish have also established institutions like that.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I felt there wasn't something like that for music in the Mexican community, and that's that's how it emerged.
0: So is it? It's not a brick and mortar place. It's it's a movable feast, right?
1: Yeah, as we were studying the possibilities of doing the school, we, we abandoned the idea of renting a building mm-hmm. because we realized there were so many institutions that were willing to lend us their space. And that in that way, we wouldn't be stuck in one neighborhood that we could have pop up operations in different places around so Rogers Park at Centro Romero. They let us have a, a basement there on weekends. And then we're uh, near St. Procopius. And in fact, we're, that that's where our, our ties to St. Procopius. So they lend us also a room where we teach.
0: That's, um, that's so, so wonderful. That's, yeah. I mean, that's got to be such a, a blessing for you to be having young students.
1: Yeah, and uh, we're starting a new session of classes this weekend. So our classes are not only about musical instruction, about how to play chords and get songs together but also what is the meaning of those songs how are they tied to the culture so in this session we're going to be focusing on on uh, on on seasonal songs from the day of the dead to the christmas uh songs uh so the epiphany they're re- yeah so the epiphany some religious songs and some pagan songs for the season all, that all everything <laughs> that that comes with the season that um,
0: that's good
1: and uh, and yeah, so um, we're we're starting classes this weekend now. During the pandemic, uh, to to remedy, you know, the fact that we couldn't see the students, we launched a Zoom version of the classes, and mm-hmm. that has worked well. It it has allowed students from other states to join in. So so mm-hmm. we've expanded our our base a little bit with uh, with. Uh, uh, I think we're going to keep the the Zoom classes, in um, addition to the. Uh, in-person classes. Uh,
0: so I was going to ask you about COVID. I, I know you just mentioned when you came on that you you just got off tour, or you were you're in the middle of tour. And I did notice on your website that you've been to Three Oaks, Michigan recently, um, which is a great a great little venue for music. Um, yeah. But during COVID, how how did you how did you deal? Uh, how, what was easy? What was different? What was hard? Uh, and coming well, we out came to
1: the- a full stop. They canceled everything. Yeah. Uh, we canceled tours. We canceled uh, a theater production. We had uh, we canceled our 25th anniversary concert at Millennium Park. Wow. Uh, everything came to a screeching halt. Uh, the classes uh, were relaunched. Uh, I think two or three months after the 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 shutdown.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh We were able to start. Uh, with small groups, we adapted. Uh, but we really didn't return to live concerts until uh, August of this year. We did a series in the Park District uh, as a prequel to our 25th anniversary concert, which was also outdoors at the Millennium Park. And then we did a series with the Goodman Theater in, inside the theater with all kinds of precautions and vaccinations and masks but Mm -hmm. we finished 36 performances at the Goodman Theater of American Mm -hmm. Mariachi, it's a production. And now we're finishing up the Music Geography of Mexico, which was a tour that we were supposed to do uh, last year, and this year was all postponed, so we're doing some more of those shows. Uh, And we'll be finishing this Sunday. Where at? Oh, Uh, Well, we went to Three Oaks, Michigan, as you said. We went to DeKalb. Uh, tonight, which, you know, this interview is being recorded on Friday. So mm-hmm. th- tonight we're at, at Waukegan Public Library. And uh, this uh, this Sunday, October 31st, we will be at uh, St. Procopius Church in Pilsen.
0: At four o'clock.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay. Well, uh, any future dates or events that you're looking forward to or that you're plotting out right now? Um, I, heard you I say think, that... uh,
1: yeah, at this point, we're, uh, we've been working uh, nonstop since uh, beginning of August until now, uh, the end of October. Yeah. And right now, the, we're gonna, we're gonna take a break, probably till next year.
0: Good. Mm-hmm. Always good to take a break. <laughs> Especially during yeah. the holidays. We need it. See yeah. people and be with family. Well, uh, one, I'm sorry for the A little bit of a botched start for us, but um, we love your music, and it's playing all through this show. Um, And the one, one last question: I think that what you do reminds me of something another friend of ours and artist, local artist here in the neighborhood, has been doing for years, and that's Corky Siegel with his Chamber Blues. You do an ensemble that I've been listening to your music quite a lot for the last twenty-four hours, and you do a, a version of that. I, am I wrong in saying that? Uh, with blues? No, not with blues, with Latinx uh, and, and um, orchestral.
1: Oh, classical, yes, yes, classical. we, classical. yeah. Yeah, back in uh, 1999, we, uh, when the Chicago Symphony Orchestra was expanding into its educational center, mm. um, uh, Henry Fogel, was the executive, uh, the president, uh, reached out to various communities and he reached out to the Mexican community. And uh, we struck a a collaboration with a brass quintet from the Chicago Symphony to visit uh, 10 community centers per year. And that lasted for three years. So we did 30 uh, concerts in the community and, and the music was arranged so that we could collaborate. So there was overlaps. Uh, in the beginning, we were, the brass quintet was uh, playing Mexican music.
2: Mm-hmm. For the
1: following year, we said, well, we can also play classical music. So we started playing Bach on uh, on Mexican instruments and okay. accompanying yeah. them. And in the third year, we uh, there was a new composition that was neither Mexican nor classical, but uh, we met in the middle. And that was a culmination of that great collaboration. And we've remained friends even uh, uh, this summer at Millennium Park when we did the twenty seventh, well, 25th anniversary concert, uh, mm-hmm. those brass players came back. So it, we struck a lifelong friendship with them.
0: How oh, lovely, um, wonderful. Thank you so much for all of the sharing you've done all of the years. And I know I danced to your music on my favorite cafe floor. So uh, thank you for those good times as well. And uh, we'll stay in touch and we'll have you back, you know, when it works.
1: For yes, both. thank you.
0: Thank you so much for coming. Appreciate it. Okay. all right then and that was Sones de mexico once again uh singing la llorona which is not a description of our next guest jane ramsey jane is a friend and neighbor uh who also worked uh for the election of harold washington and when i saw the film this week that was part of the chicago Uh, international film festival called punch nine uh, and Jane figured into it uh, prominently with a number of other friends and uh, co-conspirators on that score I thought let's just talk about it because it's it was too cool Um, Jane how the heck are you are you standing great are you standing in the rain, or are you? Are you?
3: I, I'm. I'm fine. I'm good. I got a little rain coming down, but it's it's just sprinkly. So I'm. I'm good, Katie. Very good. Very good.
0: Uh, Jane, I was uh, reading your bio and realized our work lives very very much parallel. Your many years at Jewish Council of Urban Affairs, um, totally uh, parallel my years at the Heartland Cafe. In the middle, we both took some time to help elect Harold Washington off of both of our jobs uh, I did off of my teaching job I know that and um and then this movie got made uh I have to ask did
3: you know the guy who made it is it Joe Winston was his Joe name? Winston. I did not know him okay um and I don't know how he found me but he found a few of us a number of us and uh and he called me up and said he wanted to come interview me this is a few years ago that he was working on raising money to do a film about harold washington and was i up for talking about it and since i really felt that there hasn't been a good film about harold washington and it was so katie um as you know such an important transformational time and moment for chicago and really nationally and yeah. even globally um that it was, I felt um, I was thrilled to do whatever possible to be supportive and excited to be able to talk to him.
0: Yeah, punch nine for those who don't know because it's it's a different uh, voting style now refers to the cards we used to punch with our vote. Uh, and that was Harold's number on the ballot, punch nine. And there were a lot of, uh, mm, what do you call it little uh sorry about that sorry about that that's somebody calling me probably for the show um so sorry anyway uh punch nine was was uh the call from one side of the city to the other what i noticed and and what struck me about this film initially uh through a lot of it was it invited me into rooms that I was not a part of uh, in 83 specifically when they were trying to build up, uh, you know, uh, support for the mayoral the mayoral race in many small like living rooms and meeting rooms and churches across the south and west sides, particularly in that part. And I was so happy to see those that footage. Um, I, I uh, I, there were a lot of people then that were talked that were talked to. It was great to see um, Conrad Whirl, rest his soul, and Robert Starks, and of course Jackie, and you know all of the faces that that actually talked. And I was also struck. Um, it, it was a movement, of course, and so people will feel left out, uh, or they'll say some people are missing. Um, I'm so sorry. I have to decline this call because I'm on the radio <laughs> ah, and I'm sure it's my guest. Um, so, uh,
3: who was left out? Uh, let's mention oh, names. So how many people were left out. I mean, it was, uh, so, uh, oh my gosh, uh, people from every side of the city. Cause they were, they just found, they just have a few of us in there. So, you know, I know, um, uh, in terms of the, the women's groups uh, and the women who were in, in important, um, there were many uh, who were left out. Um, I think uh, Nena Torres was in the movie. I yeah, can't remember Peggy, Peggy Montez was in the movie. Carrie Moe was in the movie. Um, Rebecca Si, for one, was not in the movie. Um, There were, um, Lowestein was, uh, um, not in the movie. There were, you know, so there were so many, um, people from every side of town. It was just a glimpse. So I think the, the, uh, um, if we think about organizers, Helen Schiller wasn't, right, uh, wasn't in the movie, uh, 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 along with uh, Slim. Yeah, along with Slim, Chewy, I think, was. Yeah, Chewy was figured in. Yeah, Chewy Um,
0: was in there, Luis was in there. I'll tell you, the other person that was missing, uh, particularly when we talked about the huge voter registration that occurred, besides Slim, who had everything to do with a lot of voter registration, was uh, my friend Miguel Del Valle. Oh, Miguel! Of course, Miguel you know, Del Valle did a tremendous amount of voter registration for that effort, and uh, and the efforts for the well, and the election. Lozanos,
3: you know, of course, and the, Rudy yeah. killed after the, um, and so many like, people. You know, when we were watching it, what well, we were struck by how many people are no longer with us, and uh, they weren't in it because they're no longer with us. They, and fortunately, right. Conrad had been taped before right. um, he passed away. But we have, uh, if if as we think about so many people who are part of the movement who aren't with us, but it uh, it was thrilling to see some of them in uh, who had been captured before Mariella. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so I. Um, like, I like
0: I like seeing uh, Reverend, um, what was her name? Will uh, Willie Barrow. Willie Barrow. Oh. It was fantastic to see Willie Barrow. Great to see her yeah. as well
3: as, oh God, I, the names. Well, and you worked great. in it, you know. So you're very much a part of it, and oh, yeah. um, and Michael, you know, James, you know. So I think from every part of the city, what was what was so phenomenal about being part of the movement to elect Harold Washington was the relationship that we and the bonds that we got to build with each other, and that we still have so Katie, you did so much um, in moving the North side and being part of the coalition. And you and I went to the 90, after Harold was elected, we were delegates. We were Harold Washington delegates to the uh, 1984 Democratic Convention. And the the movement was about electing Harold, but it was about that vision and about transforming and bringing, um, uh, making Chicago fair for all communities. Building health clinics and job um, training opportunities, and uh, um, housing, and so many um, opportunities that it opened up, and that we got a glimpse that that was possible. And it was, you know, and I know I feel that it. um, We knew each other before, but it, it we got to know each other so much better um and there was there's that when i whenever i walk into a room and i imagine you feel this way too and there are people from the harold washington coalition there is just an instant bond because we share a sense of values and i a used vision to i used chicago to say it,
0: that harold washington introduced chicago to itself yeah um, all yeah. the entire city was involved in that race those of us all of us who supported harold washington we're meeting people from other sides of the city that we had never been to or seen before in many cases. Um, what I wanna ask before, while we still have you, and I understand Juan is in the waiting room. Um, what do you think, what, is, what lasting help did the Harold Washington administration give our city? I mean, I see the Chicago Works logo is yeah. still in use. They've just forgotten that last word, which was together. together?
3: <laughs> Together, <laughs> uh, so uh, I think one thing, one uh, so there's many things that it that it. First of all, it brought many different people um, to uh, activated and involved who have who have continued to Absolutely. give to the city. So Jackie Grimshaw and Chewy Garcia, who's now a congressman, and Luis and and Danny Davis and. Um, so many people, Helen, and you know Schiller in so many ways, and people and you, you know, and so many people who have who we learned from it, and we're, we we um, continue to um, uh, to work for the vision of fairness and um, uh, and reform and what but one of the, the specific things that happened, um, and reform was very much a part of what. Harold was about and he pushed and he stomped on the grave of patronage and he literally did. Um, And after Harold died and the and Daly came in, um, they had to they had to keep that language and they had to keep articulating reform. That was that changed Chicago.
0: Exactly, exactly. I gosh, I wish uh, we had more time, but you and I have just gone through we have raced through 15 minutes. So, um. Uh, what do you uh, what do you hope that that sticks? What do you hope out of I, I agree totally with what you said I, I think that Harold Washington made Richie Daly a better mayor by preceding him. He's also had ramifications for every mayoralty since then the fairness that he uh, brought about that he so proclaimed and that you know he danced on the grave of of patronage that. Um, I feel like all of that is the lasting legacy as well as our faces right now and how we feel when we think about that time in Harold Washington.
3: Well, and he had a national uh, impact and a global impact. In national impact, he showed the way that um, in terms of a whole host of black mayors who ran across the country and other elected officials. Yes. Um, and globally, as you know, he would go to different countries, and they'd say they wouldn't say "rat a tat tat" about Chicago. Instead, they'd say, "How's Harold?"
0: Right. And you, and know, you and were with him. You were with him in Tel Aviv, were you not?
3: And actually, Helen was with him in Tel Aviv. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. I would have Sorry. loved to have been with him. But yeah, I was. I was. I, I got
0: in. I got in on the tail end of their visit to Milano, <laughs> Italy. And, oh, um, fantastic! Yeah. Okay, well, I'm sorry to have to cut this. Oh, this is short. so
3: wonderful. Let me just thank just you. And <laughs> one more thing. So the, the young people don't know Harold. And so I think mm. the phenomenal thing about this movie is that it really does bring him and his b- bigness and what he what he was about and what the movement was about. And for that, I'm very grateful to this me too. effort. me too. Hey, Thank blessings you. be, Jane. Thank you. Thank I'll you. See you
0: around the neighborhood. We'll love it. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. to you <laughs> happy birthday happy birthday that was what was just playing um and we have the beautiful pair there of michael james and dave where where's the
2: dude uh,
0: michael's out west where do you call where you are david uh
2: i'm up uh, david could tell you but i know we're near mystery bay and, and port townsend north, uh, P- or north Washington is, is the town
4: I didn't it's want to like, give
2: away where the town, because people might be coming to get his autograph or
0: something. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay,
4: so you said Northern Washington is what you said. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're on an island. It's called Marrowstone Island, actually. Yeah. yeah. So they're they, they're, they're in the beautiful
0: here. they're in the beautiful ecotopia of the Northwest yes, region exactly. of the U.S. Exactly. Where we here in Chicago dream of going. We go there on vacation when when we're able to. Yeah. Um, But uh, very, very happy to have both of your beautiful faces in one frame here. Um, Before I met Michael, I had already read your book because I come from a football family. And I had given it to my father to read, which I don't think he did.
2: Out of Their League. (laughs) Out of
0: Their League is the name of the book. And um, it was one of the uniting factors once I did meet Michael to find, not only did he know the book, but he knew you and that you guys were buddies.
2: I'm in the book. Um,
0: okay. Well, don't let us forget that,
2: Michael. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if, when you get this old, you got to promote yourself a little oh bit. Oh my God. Michael,
0: that, what was your excuse 40 years ago, okay? <laughs>
2: um, David,
0: let's, let's focus on David for a second. David, yeah. how, did you, uh, how did you wind up uh, meeting Michael and coming to know all of Chicago the way
4: you did? I think uh, um, my conversion was with Rick Sertoun, who was a Goldwater Republican. He went to University of Washington and he came back to our training camp in St. Louis, uh, you know, in Lock, Lock, Lake Forest, and he made this big conversion. And so he knew about the joint community union and Peggy Terry Uh and we went to visit with her. And then this guy, Mike James showed up and then Mike (laughs) and uh, Rick went to Mike's house and uh, about the joint community union and Fifty-three years ago, that's when it started, which happened. And Rick is, is died, and he was a really great guy, a union guy, and uh, and so that's where it really player. started. He was a very good player. We we were uh, we were in training camp with the Cardinal training camp at Lake Forest mm-hmm. when we went down and and, and we met, and so. That's when it happened. And
2: we at Lake Forest, where I played football, got to wear the Cardinals old stuff that was left there after training
4: camp for for our our (laughs) football practice. So there's a connection. There's a connection here.
0: (laughs) Even if it's just a smelly one.
4: um, A smelly one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um,
0: uh, The other thing I want to ask you about, David, is uh, you mentioned the union um, because you are both uh, a, a former NFL player and author not a former author. You're still an author. Um, (laughs) But you are also, uh, you were a union rep. Um, How did that, I I mean, that part of your life is now over. But can I ask you just, what did it mean to you in a nugget of doing that union work? Well, I
4: think when I did, when I, you know, there's a whole history before, you know, that, but then I, when I did the book, I, it was very clear that the players needed a representation and, uh, the inequity, inequity between the owners and the players was, was pretty, uh, uh, pretty divided if you will. And, mm-hmm. uh, the owners were keeping the money and the players were not getting any of the money. So, uh, basically that was the gist of the book. And, you know, I did seven years with the Cardinals and then I wrote the book and um, and then um, I got to know Mike more and more when I went to Rising Up Up Angry, and I we actually was selling uh, newspapers the RUA uh, at <laughs> the newspapers. But then then he went on to become the West Coast director of the Players Union. And he then re- I became after ten years in 1982. I, start, I started at being the Western director of the NFL Players Association, which was the Players Union. Yeah. And uh, bottom line, we, we went, uh, it was a 12-year war, and we won the war. And, uh, and the players basically now have equity in the, in the business and free agency at and just looking at the the numbers now, I mean Mahomes is 45 million a year. That's pretty good. The median Saturday uh, I hope salary he's donating is about, about 800, 880,000 median of the so you know we made the uh, we made it make it made it happen, basically. You
0: did. You also you also yeah. raised awareness about um, the health uh, issues. All that,
4: the issues that and the concussion, concussion stuff and the CTS stuff and so so uh, you know we and under Gene uh, Upshaw who was our director our executive director hall and fame uh, player and he's dead now yeah uh, he was a great leader amazing guy and uh, so basically we won and we won the war uh, against the uh, NFL owners and uh, and the guys are doing doing very well now so you're doing better
0: that's for sure Um, when you guys think about where the world was when you first met and all the involvements that your lives have encompassed since then including the crossovers like I know you wrote for the Heartland Journal from time to time. Yeah. Michael went out and met with the players. Yeah, no, we've known each times. other
4: a long time.
0: <laughs> I know, and you've crisscrossed so <laughs> I'm you <laughs> what I'm asking is your reflections on the current state of things. Now, when you meet each other out there and you check each other out, you go, okay, Okay, you work, you walk pretty good. You, you're still talking good. Oh, well, but keep, when you... Try, try,
4: like, trying to articulate something. We had yeah. a two-hour
2: ride after he picked me up, and he did yeah. want to go to Denny's. Yeah, which, uh, <laughs> I told him... This is the some, only
4: place we could go. It was terrible food, we, actually.
2: We, we actually... Uh, I did point out to him there had been some racial uh, problems with Denny's in the past. But we did eat some food. And then we had a two-hour ride up here through the dark and the rain. And it was raining on like And uh, we yeah. went through yeah. all kind of family members. We went through all kind of friends. Uh, we did talk a little bit about politics this morning. We were so glad to see that the Pope told Biden that he's a good Catholic. He's a good, very good big, big Catholic. <laughs> and he should get communion. <laughs> and uh, we have a lot of plans. Like uh, David's, there's a big party for David. Uh, to um, actually, Tomorrow. Tomorrow, actually. It's yeah. the day we're... On Saturday,
0: yes. Uh,
2: we just looked at the tides, and we're going to go in at six in the morning, and we're going to get oysters. Oysters, and then uh, we're going to make sure we beach. get some yeah. uh, some uh, horseradish, some chili sauce, and some Tabasco and lemons, <laughs> and we're going to just stuff ourselves.
0: I love it. <laughs>
4: I love it. Okay, you guys stay base stuff, right?
0: <laughs> you guys, be careful out there with with those tides. Um all right, bu- bucket list time. What do you still want to do see or cause to happen when you talk about stuff?
4: <clears throat> Go ahead, David. Uh, well, I think what we I think you you Katie and and Mike and and the Lang was Patland, heartland land yeah we know what you mean if there was a was a base for a lot in chicago yes and there were other around as i i think about it and how got a lot of people got educated about social justice economic justice doing the right stuff for people and all the rest of it and i think we We don't have we have never underestimated what that happened. and And then we got the right winger with uh, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And then we came back around and And I think Trump was kind of an explanation point. And now we've got Biden. And basically, the younger people,, you know, they're aware of what's going on even a lot of people who are in their 50s and 60s and younger we set we set the base in in my view and and when I can look at that with uh with football the NFL we put the base in as well so that's kind of what I'm saying and now when you look at the uh the uh, WNBA uh, people, the, the women, you know the Black Lives Matter movement and going after Kelly, Kelly Lofer, I believe Warnock made it because of that issue of the WMA athletes saying, no, this yeah. uh, this uh, Kelly Loafer is a right-wing, Free. <laughs> Excuse me. Careful, everybody. So anyway, I know where
2: you were going. You know that kind of thing.
4: <laughs> so, so, the athletes have always stepped up. Muhammad Ali, John Carlos, Tommy Smith, uh, Billy Jean King, da, da da So we've always been the front in the front of the social movement in this country.
0: That's a great point. That's a great point, David. And it, um, it's
2: true in, in the face of too many progressives not liking sports <laughs> and not wanting yeah. to pay attention to it. But exactly. That, as we talked about in our show last week with yeah. Jane Moore Thompson, sports is like a mirror of society and reflects a lot of what's going on. And there's a lot of good going on right now in exactly. The sports
4: world. Exactly. And so it's under the radar and, and I think the media stuff and blah blah. There's also a lot of issues, but but a lot of people are, remember, Biden did get elected. <laughs> he, did. <laughs> he really did. By, By a, a, huge million amount, million. a huge amount. By enough,
0: that's for sure. Hey, guys, we ran, we ran out of time. We ran out of time. So, I
4: yeah, okay. Sorry. That's it? That's it? Who's running your show? <laughs> well, <What laughs> those anyway, of us. Here we love- are <laughs> in Marrowstone, and we're going to have a birthday party, and it'll be great. And Mike came over, and... Uh, to be with, and uh, we're we're gonna do do stuff.
0: And okay, so you, uh, David
4: in Chicago at some point. Yeah,
0: David. What I want you to know is he turns that milestone in January, which is not the greatest time to come to Chicago, but we will be celebrating it. Yes. So you are more than welcome. Okay. Come um, <laughs> and celebrate with us. Okay, I thought Katie. it was
2: a surprise party, Katie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is but you know exactly. it's gonna happen in january
2: i assume all right well, well i'm looking forward to being back in chicago on tuesday but i'm gonna have a good time, good good time i'm right, out here so uh yes yeah, so. we love you and we love louise and we like lynn the whole crew thank you so much
0: okay that was pretty wild uh Keystone Cops, to be sure. I love those two. Um, we're going to close out with our world by Twin Peaks like we always do. Next week, we've got uh, Representative Robin Gable coming on to tell, catch us up on the legislative victories uh, that happened in the veto session, and also uh, James Ginsburg of Sedil Recording, also son of Ruth Pater Ginsburg. Next week on Live from the Heartland which for over 25 years has brought you our show, now Heartland at Home, in the Zoom version. Um, We're broadcast every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central, on Chicago's WLUW 88.7 FM, and streaming live from wluw.org. You can also find us on youtube.com slash heartlandmedia, and some Spotify and Google podcasts, We want to thank our Live from the Heartland team, Luis mejia Aaron's, and Lynn Orman-Weiss, and we want to invite new participation, because Luis is tired of doing this from Veracruz. Also, we ask you, please do good in the world. The world needs all the good that we do. All power to the people. Peace out, friends and neighbors.